And welcome back to the Book and Life podcast. Today we're going to have a brand new book guest on. Whether they're an author, an editor, a producer, you'll never quite know. So you're in for one hell of a ride. But today I just have to uh, do the adverts and then I'll get us straight into that most important conversation. And as as we do every week, um, I'm going to read The Shadow which is part of the Time Guardian series, and this is book four from Marianne Curley. The battle is over, the war is won. The prophecy complete, but life can't just pick up where it left off for Ethan, struggling to cope with tragic loss. At odds with friends in the guard, he finds himself adrift, jumping in shadows and sensing someone who can't possibly be there. Blaming herself for the goddess Athena's death, Giselle swears revenge to fullify the immortal's plan for world domination, but Giselle hadn't planned on love, and that leaves her with an unbearable choice. Should she follow her heart, or the strings of a goddess short on praise but high on expectation, who continues to pull her from the grave? As the guard and the order battles through the past and into an impossible future, darkness looks round every corner. The fight for the world's survival rests with just one. Is it friend or foe who stands in the shadow? And just a reminder that The Price of Freedom by Rosemary Aiken, sorry, Rosemary Rowan, um, is being donated to the Ukraine refugee crisis. And here's the blurb for her book. It's uh, one of her... Roman British crime series, which was written under her maiden name. All editions can be found online where all books are sold, even her agents donating her commission. Sorry, I don't have the blurb for that, but uh, that's that's what she's doing. And now, without further ado, let's get you to the guests. So guys, I promised you one hell of an author. I have already read this book, and I can tell you, you are in for one heck of a ride. And it is a series you are not going to want to miss. This is going to be a very awesome treat for you guys. So without further ado, I have to welcome the gorgeous, the splendid, the absolutely sweetest flowing writer we've had yet, Jane Harper. Oh, hello. Thank you for that intro. That's that's very lovely of you. <laughs> oh, well, you know, it's true, because when I read yours, I was I was nervous because I'd never read you before. And the book plopped through my door, and I thought, oh, yeah, I'll review it. It's fine. Cool. And I started reading it, and it was it was written with such this this really smooth flow. And I thought, wow, this, this is really good. Um, to the point where my, my actual aunt, who was sharing a room with me that week, because we were uh, staying, staying up in uh, Sterling for my mother's graduation, was envious. <laughs> she was like, I want to read this. And I'm like, well, you just have to wait till I'm finished. <laughs> so, yeah, it was it was a lot of fun to read, um, especially if anyone knows how to get out with your parent when they're extremely nervous about doing something like a graduation. It, it, it was super, superly needed um, <laughs> that week. Oh, great. I'm glad so to can, hear it. 
so can you tell us um, about the book and, and sort of where your idea for the series kind of came from? Yeah, sure. So Exiles is um, the third and final book um, uh, written um, with the main character, Aaron Fork, who I introduced in my first novel, which was The Dry. So I write Australian mysteries. They're all set in different locations in Australia, but they're all kind of similar tone and feel. There's kind of a lot of sort of small communities and um, kind of yeah, secrets, old secrets to be uncovered and, um, and you know, hidden paths and things. So, um, so Exiles um, is set in the lush sort of um, wine country, South Australia, and um, it centers around the. It opens with the um, disappearance of a young, um, well, of a mother at a festival, a food and wine festival. But really, like all my books, um, the the kind of the mystery is really just the catalyst for what happens next. And and the thing that interests me most is like that aftermath and the relationships and the way that you know trauma kind of impacts a group of people. Um, and um, yeah, so you know, it was a lot of fun to write. Like knowing this was going to be the third and final one for. Aaron Falk was, um, you know, a bit of a different experience. It, it was great. Um, yes, it was a great novel to work on. Was it sad to sort of bring his story to an end? Yeah, like it was. Well, it was bittersweet. I mean, I, I went into Exiles knowing that this would be the final book for him. So in a way, um, that was, you know, it was... It was it was interesting as a writer. It was it was a good experience in that um, knowing it's going to be the final one means you can leave it all on the field. You know, you're not having to save anything for kind of maybe down the track or a future book. It could just be exactly what you want it to be. Um, and you know, I wanted to make this the final one for him because I actually, you know, people have asked, you know, is it because you you want to move on or you've had enough of writing about him? But it was completely the opposite. I mean, I love writing about him. He's been with me since the first book. Um, but I feel like endings are so important in fiction and I wanted to give yeah. his character the ending that he deserved and an ending that was worthy of a character who has really given me so much as an author. I think endings are the hardest, you know, because you are in a way kind of like you have to grieve that loss of that character because you kind of get so used to writing them. And then the idea of, oh, I'm never going to say that, like, write that person again. It's almost like you're you're kind of closing a door and sending them off somewhere. And, you know, did you feel like it was a bit of a grieving process to do that with him? Yeah, I mean, it was it was quite kind of sad um, to sort of know this will be the last time. Because I think when I write as well, like my, um, I mean, people have different ways. They, you know, I know they approach writing. I mean, for me, um, it's, it's very sort of internal so it's not like I'm kind of watching the characters on a screen playing out it's more like I'm kind of you know they and I are, are viewing what's happening through the same eyes and I'm thinking about what are they thinking what's their reaction to this and what would they sort of say at this point and so you you're quite you're very close um to them and you know when I was writing Exiles I knew that um you know, this was the last time I was going to be as close to, to Aaron Forp as a character but it, at the same time it was lovely because it was kind of um, you know, it was a whole 300 page kind of goodbye letter to him. It was, um, yeah, I kind of enjoyed spending that time with him and I hope, I hope the readers do as well. I, th- I think you did it justice for him because a lot of endings you can, you, you almost sort of feel like the author couldn't quite get to that word of bye, if you know what I mean? Like, and you did it so, so warmly that you could tell, like, the love that you had put into him. It really shone through. Oh, thank you. So, 
in a way, like, what made you decide that his last book needed to be in wine country? What what made you pick that Pacific area? Yeah, so there were a few factors. Um, so settings are always really important in my books, you know, for, for me as an author. I think, you know, I always want... Yeah. Um, you know, all the books set in Australia, but they're in different parts. So, you know, I've had Outback, I've had Bushland. And, um, so I, I think really early on about what the setting's going to be. And I want the setting to support the story. So there were um, a few um, practical things that went into it, I guess, in a creative sense. So I knew that I wanted it to, you know, you know it does, um, uh, you know, fork it at heart as a country boy. So I wanted sort of a setting that kind of supported that aspect of his character and brought, brought that out. Um, there's a, you know, sort of a dark thread that runs, I think, through any sort of crime mystery novel, but there's a lot of light in the novel as well. And I wanted a setting that also had that sort of, that, that, that sort of joyousness about it. Um, it was a really beautiful part of Australia. Um, the, um, and also in this book as well, um, Fork meets up with um, a family friends, uh, the Raker family, who we meet in the first book, my debut novel, The Dry. And probably nobody else remembers this, but I remember it. And Raker's family is from South Australia. So when I knew that he was going to connect with that, them again, that kind of turned my head, you know, in, in that sort of direction. Um, on a more kind of um, away from the computer, my, my reasons were a little bit more um, probably self-motivated in that, um, the last two books I wrote it was uh, so Lost Man was set in like deep outback, which involves kind of going out, like you know, this huge drive across the desert, completely sort of deserted, yeah. real sort of hostile landscape. And then the following book was The Survivors, which was set in the rugged um, kind of coastline of Tasmania. And um, for both these books, I did you know underground research trips. And for The Survivors, I was um, I'd given birth twelve weeks earlier my second child and I, I had to go and research um, sort of scuba diving in the Tasmanian waters and I was sort of zipping myself into this winter wetsuit um, about to be plunged into this freezing and I honestly thought you know what you know what Jane next time you could do something you could you could do something easier you know I just, and yeah it's somewhere just, nicer and warmer why don't we just yeah. go to wine country you know? <laughs> yeah. no I totally get that because for me, like, I know sounds are hugely important for me to capture that excitement. Um, so, yeah, when I went to L.A., because I had, you know, this book that I was setting in L.A., and we decided to go out there. I was the same. I was sitting there, and my, my husband's complaining, because it's hot, and he doesn't like the heat. And I'm thinking, I'm enjoying this. This is great. <laughs> and I'm thinking, maybe next time I should go somewhere a little bit cooler because he's not looking so hot. <laughs> so, yeah, I get, I get that really. That's right. You've actually, you, it's, it's one thing to set a book somewhere, but you've got to actually live it for a while as well. And, you know, that's um, yeah, that, that's kind of the burden you've got to bear, isn't it? <laughs> yeah, and, and bless him. He's, he is a traditional Scottish guy, so, you know, the heat wasn't so nice on him, whereas I'm like, oh. and he's sort of like, I'm going to be a puddle in a minute. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I also learned not to trust him with the air conditioning. Either. Yeah. Right. <laughs> so would you say that your settings is what helps you capture the excitement in your novel? Would you say that that's your, your trick of the trade is that once you figure out, right, this is the setting, that's where you get that kind of excitement and drive to write it? Um, I think it's definitely part of it. I wouldn't have said it was the whole package because I think so many different things go into, you know, making a novel, I guess, um, 
you know, like making it work. Um, I think the setting is a huge one, though, because that's one that runs throughout. So, yeah, the, the setting is always there. And um, the setting can kind of, you know, as an author, it can help you out. You know, it, it can um, really add you know, add something to the page. So it, it sort of gives you that natural lift. You know, if the scenes that sort of need a little bit of a pick-me-up, you know, if it's set in somewhere sort of particularly interesting or a really beautiful location, it kind of gives it that um, extra little kind of... Um, just just sort of extra elements um i think for me the settings as well are important because i um i always you know i, I always think really hard about what setting is going to support the story so um, it's not just about finding an interesting setting and then thinking okay i'm going to write it here it's got to be right for that story and by that i mean ideally the landscape or uh yeah the physical characteristics help drive the plot so they're sort of involved in some way in the kind of the mystery or crime element. Um, and then secondly, they, they lend themselves naturally to the characters you need. So you need people who would believably live in that area or visit that area or are shaped by the facts, whether they've grown up there or they're newcomers. So it's all those, it's those things that kind of, I think help build the authenticity. I, I would totally agree. Cause when I did Marie's world, I had Chicago as the sort of dark element of the story where this is a place she didn't want to ever go back to and here she is back there kind of so yeah I get that because I I had three locations which I kind of juggled a little bit so I get I get that kind of um aspect where it's an important element but some people can actually just create that entire story around that and other people tend to say no it's just just part of what needs to be done to get get me to the not that place so yeah yeah it's it's interesting isn't it, how people have different do do have different approaches to things like that i mean i think it's a bit of a shame when the setting you know um is just a backdrop when it could be something more um but it does depend a little bit like i said on the on the story i think for, for me it's it's always something that um ideally is woven through so hopefully kind of by the end of the story you look back as a reader and think so, you know i couldn't that story couldn't be told anywhere else like it had to be in that specific yeah. setting. Yeah, no, I totally, I totally agree with that because I've written all over Scotland, and then obviously when I went to the states, I got a chance to sort of feel what the states was like and kind of absorb it. And I think that was really important for me as an author moving forward. Do you think you'll write one outside Australia? Um, Do you think that that might be a next uh, thing? I, I can't see myself doing it right at this now, or possibly even ever. Um, I think partly because I think. The you know, things like the research is so important, and I feel like being yep. part of um, I don't know that kind of on the ground feel. Um, you know, it, it would probably only be the case if I actually went to live somewhere else, and I was really sort of ingrained in that that community and that sort of setting, yep. and um, that would maybe inspire something. But um, the thing is as well about Australia, it's so it's so diverse geographically. There's you know what more could you want there's everything any story you want exactly. there's, there's a setting that would yeah suit it really well so which character would you say out of this book was your ultimate favorite that's sort of stuck with you well i think um i mean it's hard to go past aaron four because the the main character um that's you know just that he he is yeah he is such a sort of special person to me but um to sort of in terms of the other ones i mean you know like i really um, I, I like Greg Rako, who is his friend uh, that he reconnects yeah. with that he, we first met in the dry. Um, 
I, I really enjoyed as an author, I think, kind of figuring out where, where Reiko would be and what's kind of happened to him. Um, I really love Reiko's relationship with his own wife, with Rita, um, and their dynamic and the way they their friendship with Fork has kind of developed sort of off the page, really, but kind of, you know, over the last couple of books and then come, yeah. comes, um, you know, comes back into focus in, in Exiles. Um, so, yeah, that they were... You know, I like I, they were a really kind of fun sort of trio, Fork and Reiko and Rita, where I love the scenes where they were all together. So what made sort of the Iron series so special for you? Was there one specific trait or one specific thing that made Iron just capture your heart and take it with you? Like with um, there were, not, not really, actually. Um, in that one of the things I sort of... I guess I guess I like to kind of um, you know, a myth I like to kind of bust. I guess for aspiring authors is this pressure to create a compelling character from the outset because I think that is really overwhelming and quite intimidating. And yeah, is, and, yeah. You, and, you, and you sit there and think, oh, you know, you think about these characters from literature you love, and you think, wow, how did that author, how did that author come up with that great person? You know, and and for me, it's um, the character development is is a different process, and I mean for. For you know, Aaron Fork, as as meaningful as he has become for me, he was exactly the same as the others. And and the way that happens for all the characters for me is that they are um, characters are a function, and they are a, a building block for the book in the same way as language or setting or um, decisions about red herrings or anything. They they are they don't have to be three dimensional real people at that start. You, they are they're tools to help you tell the story. So. Part of developing the characters is thinking, who is going to help me tell this story? You know, who are they and what do they need to do? What do they need to bring? So for Fork, when he was developed, when I was developing his character in the dry, you know, I wanted someone who um, in the dry centers around a a farming family where a a family is found dead and he's returned to this town that he's been um, sort of an outcast from for, for many years for the funeral. And I wanted the main character to be someone who knew this family that was found dead, but at arm's length. So he used to be close to them, but now he's not, he used to know the town, but now he doesn't. He's an investigator, but he's not a homicide investigator. So he, he, um, he's not comfortable in the setting and he's not going to come in and show these country cops how it's done. He's a very much fish out of water. And that was sort of the slowly how his character developed. Um, And, you know, it's only gradually as the book, as a novel starts to sort of take shape that the characters do start to become more fleshed out. And I think that's the more situations you put them in, the better you know them. But for me, that takes quite a long time and they are two dimensional and very functional for quite a large you know, portion of the, certainly of the drafting process. Um, so, yeah. so, so to get back to the original question, I think, you know, it was um, when I sort of first started writing Fork, I, I had no, I, I wouldn't have thought that he would then go on to, yeah, I'd write other books about him particularly. Um, but the you know, by the end of it, and the way we just embraced him, and then um, you know the 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 film adaptation of Dry came out, and really just they they asked me about him a lot, and it just really felt like he had yeah you know, this sort of final third book in him to kind of really bring his personal narrative to to the, to the ending that I wanted to give him. <laughs> That's great because I I think we get so invested in them over the time that we've you know because people don't realize we don't just write it one time 
and that's us. You know, we spend months and sometimes years going over books and editing them and taking them apart and, you know, flipping them and changing them to get it to where we're really happy with it and we think that the readers will be really happy with it. So I get that kind of struggle, you know, with starting out with this just very flat line character and sort of building layers as you're building the model. So yeah, it's it's lovely to hear somebody else being able to say, "Hey, yeah, I yeah, this, yeah." You know? <laughs> and I think as well when you're starting out, it's yeah, you, know, you you do have a lot of pressure to, you know, you, when you read a book, the character is fully formed because it's been through that whole process. But it's it's you know it's exactly as a trial and error, and it's it's okay not to know exactly everything about his character from before you've even written a book. You you absolutely learn more about them when you put them in situations and think what what would they what would they say what what are they going to order for that coffee order you know all that kind of stuff it, it comes out it yeah. emerges naturally it's better to sort of let it yeah let it come out rather than maybe try and shoehorn it in at the start I think yeah and I, I must admit there's so many new kind of techniques out there for creating characters such as sitting with a notebook and as you're building the story you're making notes of what you know the character's hair color is and what their eye color is like and you build it a note form so that you never miss anything um that's one that i've actually started trying uh, to do because i used to forget what yeah right <laughs> or i'd even forget yeah. that i had a dog in it these little things do matter i realized yeah. over, time, <laughs> over time like i'd be reviewing it and be like wait the dog <laughs> in here <laughs> where did he go so you know just things like that i think there's so many different techniques as you know right new writers are having all this great stuff that they can explore and try whereas sort of us older ones are kind of playing catch up a little bit because we're like wait there's a new yeah that's right and you you all find your own you find your own style as well like it just so there's no um again like when i I remember sort of starting out you know you read all these writing books and and it's so full of advice and you think oh gosh you know which, which it's it's hard to know what to follow and i think ultimately yeah. You know, there's, there's, um, whatever kind of gets the words on the page for you is the right, is the right way to do it. But sometimes it takes a little bit of trial and error to work what out, what that, that right way is for you. You know, it's worth trying a few different things and seeing what, what feels, you know, feels right for you. So what's been the best moment that you've had so far? Oh gosh. I mean, there's been, there's been, a, I mean, there's been so many really. Um, I mean, um, you know, going back to, yeah, I, I mean, everything from like sort of seeing the books on the shelves and, you know, that, that kind of first, um, I think seeing the books, you know, that I've really, you know, when you're really happy with how it's turned out and then actually seeing it sort of in readers' hands is great. Um, you know, I have to kind of go back all the way, though, to probably um, the the very start, which was when I, I, um, I'd written my manuscript of The Dry and I'd entered it in an unpublished manuscript competition just really to try and get a bit of judges' feedback. I thought, you know, maybe they'd say if it was worth continuing or not. And I remember getting this call yeah. from the like the judging centre, I guess, saying that it had been shortlisted. It was one of three shortlisted. And, um, and you know, and I was at work at the time, and I remember sort of taking this call in this, like, vestibule at work. And, and just, um, but just this feeling of, like, suddenly, like, this kind of door sort of, like, just clicking open and this little kind of, sliver of light yeah. and I thought you know this this could actually happen like I could 
I could actually become a published author. Yeah, maybe this is this, maybe this is that. And, and yeah. it was this very surreal feeling, this, this dream sort of almost maybe coming true, which I've never had kind of before in my whole life, I don't think. So yeah. um, that was, even after all these years, that is still one of my yeah, favourite memories. I think I think that is like for all of us that moment of yeah wait, what <laughs> like did this just happen so yeah I, I I love it when I hear that because I think everyone gets lost in the idea of oh it's got to be when you know you've made it into film or you've done this or you've done that but it's it's just the simplest moment of that call that you've you've actually just yeah. cracked the door. I always think it's the most resonating. Yeah, I agree. You know, and it's, and I think for a lot of um, authors or aspiring authors, I mean, that that's really what you're working towards. You know, everything else beyond that is just icing on the cake. Like you, you just sort of want to, you know, to have this manuscript that you've worked hard on published and, you know, that feeling of being a published author, um, which is still, you know, the, it's still kind of the, um, the best thing about the whole thing for me everything else is just just a bonus really i think it's that rush too that you get where you're like i've got another one i've got another one signed another one's coming out of you know this is this is insane i like i know even for me i i've been doing this on and off for 11 years if i get a call saying hey this is going ahead it's almost like you know stop everything I need yeah. like five minutes. <laughs> like my brain is stopping exploding. Um and my husband's like, Oh well, yeah. it's just another one. <laughs> and I'm like No. That's right, yeah. Oh, I, I understand. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, even if he doesn't. I know. I think I think as well, like sometimes like the um the other sort of best thing is as well as the is the reader connection. You know, I mean I've had people come up and say things like, um, you know, the I don't know that, that this was like sort of the first book they've read in ten years. You know, they haven't read, they, they they stopped reading fiction when they left yeah. school, and they, you know, and then they, their wife bought and they picked it up and they've read it, and now they've got back into you know, or, or something like that, or you know, I had a re- one that was really um, stayed with me for years and years. It was a woman who who said that um, one of my books was the last um, it was the last book her her mother read before she she passed away, and they, they both kind of read it and they discussed it, and it was one of the last sort of you know conversations they'd had about you know, and, and that sort of moment. And she said it made her feel really close that, you know, she could read that book again and know, and it made her sort of remember her mother and those last sort of few days and things. And I mean, that was a really, you know, I was, you know, sort of mopping away my tears and I'm trying to sign her book, you know, she's telling me this story. So moments like that are really, you know, really special. Yeah. And I think I've, I've certainly, I don't know if you have, but I missed that fan interaction when COVID yeah. came around. I missed it like so much because I used to get it like I would go to my local coffee shop and I'd set up and I'd be writing and somebody would go oh that's that's so and so and they would come over to me and it would be you know I, I wrote over the Christmas McGarrington and then and I and I would just get bombarded with people who would want to talk to me about it to the point where I did have to stop writing for the coffee shop I would just go in with like a notebook so I could be making notes on stories between people sort of coming by. But it was that kind of, that was what it was great for me, that kind of connection with the world. Like I had a teenage girl, big wrestling fan, and she came up and she said, you know, my life's 
her life had been so hard, and she was she was saying that Marie got yeah right, like you know just that moment of wait I touched this person's life that I have no clue who they are, she lived thousands of miles away from me, and I was just that moment just stunned me, um, so yeah that I think I think I think we're all sort of trying to get used to going back to that, but at the yeah. same time it feels weird. Yeah. Yeah, and I think um, I mean, I was the same. We, my my um, my fourth book, The Survivors, came out right in the middle of if COVID, and uh, you know, we were sort of in lockdown then, and and you really do miss that that sort of connection because I think you know, I mean, you know, as as we all know, with with our with our own favorite authors, you know, you sort of, um, I don't know, I mean, they that, that sort of author reader connection is so is so strong, and when you really you really connect with a book, and um, you know, it's 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 great to sort of be able to have a little bit of you know kind of interaction with the readers and it, it makes because you spend so long as an author alone like you know alone in my office just like yeah. working by myself and you know there's no one else to talk to about the book because nobody else has read it or knows about it and um so yeah I think it's really um important to try and have that that time at the end when it's published and you can actually um yeah sort of get out in the world a little bit do you have like this because I know my husband complains about this endlessly but i use him as my surgeon. yes i do too <laughs> problem yeah. solving you That's know funny. i i do too and and also yeah he's not he's not a huge fan of it. my husband's not a huge fan of it either because it's so it's so it's i don't say with you but it's so yep. disjointed because sometimes i just need to say it out loud but it's completely without context i'm saying yep. things like do you would you say that um you know that if this happened would it be believable that this happened he said well it sounds it sounds believable, but um, sure, you know, like he doesn't know. He doesn't know. Yeah. I mean, he doesn't know what's happened before or after or anything. But sometimes exactly. I think you know, you, you just need to to vocalize it. Yeah, like per Ian, like he knows every one of my books intimately because I will be waiting till we're in the car when I know he can't <laughs> run away because he's driving, <laughs> and I'll be like, so. I was doing this, and I was thinking, and he'll be like, oh, for goodness sake, are we going to talk about a book? <laughs> I remember us having a two-hour conversation about a scene, and he's like, for God's sake, we've talked about this for two hours, and the people aren't even real. <laughs> and I'm like, but I need to work it out. And he's like, I need somebody else. <laughs> so, yeah, I think I think what people don't realize is that our partners go through a lot with us as writers because you know they're the person that lies next to you every night you know you can trust them and you kind of some yeah you do need to vocalize it but you also need to kind of pull that person's yeah. reaction because that actually helps with the, the process of writing my best friend does try to go so right <laughs> <laughs> you know to try and get that rebound but per Ian yeah like when we were on the book tour, I had to practice doing the reading. I, you know, he was sitting there and he's like, I know this book better than anybody. In fact, I know this book better yeah, than Yeah, that's her. right. Yeah, yeah. It's full of you know, it's just that, that frustration of, oh. Yeah. He could probably advance That's right, yeah. <laughs> oh. So moving into books that you're reading, like you as a reader, because we're all, I think, Fans. Yeah, we're all readers ourselves. 
So what book have you read most recently that you would say has stuck with you the most, that you just have not been able to get Yeah, so oh, there's, been, there's been a couple um, this year. Um, so first one is um, a guy called Benjamin Stevenson, who is an Australian um, author. And he wrote this great book called um, Everyone in My Family Has Killed Someone, um, which is out in the UK now. Um, and it is so fun. It's like, you know, I don't know if you watch the um, uh, Only Murders in the Building, um, that kind of classic crime sort of right. like really fresh modern take on it. And it's, yeah. um, it's, it's, it's hard to describe because it's a, it's, it's a, it's a guy, the narrator is a, is a writer um, who, who is sort of goes through this sort of experience with his family um, and is sort of um, kind of lifting the veil a little bit on the writing process while he's doing it. it it's, it's, it's impossible to describe, but it's so much fun. It's so clever. And if you like, yeah, if you love sort of crime and mystery books, this is a really fresh take on it. And it's like nothing I've ever kind of read before. Um, so that's Benjamin Stevenson, Everyone in My Family Has Killed Someone. And the other is another Australian author, um, a woman called Sally Hepworth, who um, just writes really sort of great kind of domestic noir books, for want of a better description. They're kind of um, really sort of, they're, they're Australian as well. And they're, um, you know, kind of like, like a married couple whose, you know, life is not as perfect as it seems. And then something happens that, you know, throws suspicion on everything, you know, and um, they're really, they're really sort of smart kind of just page turny. Um, her most recent one is called The Soulmates, um, which is about a couple who buy a, um, a house, uh, sort of a seaside house, but on a, a clifftop. And it becomes apparent quite early on that um, it's actually uh, sort of sadly quite a notorious suicide spot. And there's people who go out to this cliff and the husband sort of find, goes out and starts sort of manages to talk these people down. He just goes and talks to them and he talks down like six people and then he doesn't manage to save the seventh. And it's about the sort of relationship between that person and the family and what happens when he doesn't manage to save her. Um, so, yeah, that's called a soulmate and that's by Sally Hepworth. But all of hers are a great great reads really worth picking up i've actually heard a lot about her (coughs) over here um and i think because i have a love for australian writers i started off reading marianne curley that was one of my very first writers i ever read um and if anyone knows that she was a children's author and she did sort of um old magic and that kind of thing and I just fell in love with Australian writing. But then I love the country too. So it's kind of like I'm always drawn yeah. back there. It's just, you know, I think I think there's like always one place that we're like, hmm, <laughs> you know? Um, so that for me resonates. If you had infinite time to just sit and read and actually enjoy books, uh, what series and what author would you sit and read? Like um, I do reread a lot the like Marion Keys books. Um, you know, I've loved her since I was, you know, I'm not sure my twenties, probably I first um discovered her and um you know, they like her books just was sort of always so kind of I don't know, just you know, just same reason as everybody loves them, why she sold so many million copies, you know, you just um they just kind of wrap you up and, and you, you're drawn in and she's a, a real kind of masterclass in tackling tough subjects in a very accessible way. Um, and the, the kind of the warmth yeah. in which she sort of infuses her characters and relationships is something that I always try and learn from, you know, I really sort of examine like, how does she do that? And it's just so you can try and maybe 
um, you know, learn some of those lessons and bring it into my own writing. So she's someone who I have re-read, read and reread a lot. And, and what about an author? Is there one particular author that you would just sit and read? Like, is there, you know, other than her? Because you get an author for a series and an author um, to read. Who else do I really like? Um, I mean, I've always like. I mean, I've 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 always really enjoyed Lee Child as well. Um, so he's a, he's a series. We're going to have to yeah. Okay. So I answered his question the wrong the wrong order. Um, but uh, no, I think, no, um, that's fine. You know, I get a lot of people who um, come across me who are maybe like new to like the crime genre space and have kind of stumbled across my book because yeah. they you know and um and they're sort of like oh who else should I read and I always you know recommend if they if they haven't sort of read a lot of crime and mystery books that you know I always say like. Um, Killing Floor, which is the first in the Jack Reacher series, is a great one to start, especially for people who were, yeah. um, I mean, certainly people who were kind of, fan, you know, sort of reading fans anyway. But I find a lot of people who are maybe like slightly reluctant readers absolutely love that book. You know, it just sucks you in right from the start. He's got that, the pace, the the tension, yeah, the great protagonist. So that's one that I always sort of, um, you know, recommend to people as well. See, when, when I read yours, I had just read Fiona Cummings Into the Dark and I thought wow you two are you two are perfect like combos almost so like if you read Fiona Cummings and you went on and read you that was like perfect marination it was like Ah. the perfect two so I was was sitting thinking the other day I'm like I've got to tell her to go and check out you know Fiona Cummings um, yeah, which comes I on will. the show because honestly, like you would love it. It's it's that kind of same. She builds worlds, sort of character by character, and that, and the worlds really come together. And I think, yeah, I great. think you'd really like her, and I think you two would get on <laughs> really well actually. Um, because she she's she believes in kind of bringing everything together. There's like a wholesomeness yeah. there as well. Even though you've got these these really great crimes, she has this way of sort of building things up. And um, I don't know if you if you read Anne, Adam uh, Adam Han oh sorry Andy no Adam. I haven't. Yeah, I I hadn't read him either, and then I recently got sent uh, the other side of night, and that was incredible. I I think you would absolutely enjoy it because he's somebody that. You can't see the twists coming because the way he puts it out, you get so kind of focused in on the characters that he almost blindsides okay. you with it. <laughs> so you'll be reading along and then you're like, whoa! Yeah, great. <laughs> you know, where did that come from? So yeah, no, because like I sometimes when I, I read an author and I kind of get to see their great work, I sometimes find other ones that I think, oh, does she yeah. really fall in love with this this particular you know person so i'll send you or i'll send an email at the end uh, with yeah thank you some recommendations but i love that because the great thing about the show is you know people share books that other people might never have thought of never heard of and it's really good because i think everybody's book basket gets yeah a little absolutely bit yeah <laughs> like i know mine has i like my husband's looking around and he's like yeah we're out of bookshelves again <laughs> That's right. It's a good addiction to have, I think, you know? <clears throat> so, what author would you say past and present who's influenced, inspired, and made you excited about books? And you get an author for each um, one. So, influenced, inspired, and what was the third one, sorry? 
Excited. Excited. I was excited about reading. So I think influence has probably got to go back to um, when I was, yeah, my childhood reading. I think that sort of shapes, you know, your kind of taste as an adult in a lot of ways. Um, But I do remember, um, you know, reading um, The Witches by Roald Dahl when I was probably a little bit too young for it and just being absolutely terrified. But the the thing that struck me, has stayed with me over the years about that is that that was the first time I'd kind of read a book where – um, you know, it, like things hadn't all been okay at the end and it really opened my eyes to just how broad fiction could be and the opportunities there. Um, the um, excited um, is, um, do you know, I'm actually going to go back again to Benjamin Stevenson's book, which is what I mentioned earlier, that everyone in my family has killed someone. And um, the reason for that is because I think it's just really, it's not often you come across someone who's trying something completely different and, I think that really, um, you know, that would that was, yeah, that that's very that's quite exciting. I think it really shows the importance of his authors like challenging ourselves. Um, and I'm sorry, just remind yeah. me what was the third one again? An influence. Influence. Um, oh, you know, just I'm going to group together a few. I guess that you know, my my I suppose my interest in sort of crime and mystery writing was probably largely shaped by my parents bookshelf and they were big fans of kind of the blockbuster crime novels um you know like um yeah. i mean they were like yeah they would want to introduce them to like lee child and you know dan mcdermott and ken Follett and all kinds of yeah different different sort of pacey page turning reads so um yeah so a lot of the, the credit has to go to them yeah i think i think when we actually look back, I think our parents probably do influence yeah. the reading a lot. Like, my mum had sort of, you know, Leslie Pierce, and she had, she was really into sort of her period dramas at the time that I was sort of hitting that age where I wanted to read and I needed to, because my grandmother was very much like, we're going to the library for a summer break, because I always ended up with her at summer break. And she'd be like, write eight books, and you got to get them read before the end. Is, and I'd be like, wait, what? <laughs> so she would make me, you know, pick out all these eight books. And if it wasn't yeah, for right. her, I would never be a writer, because I, I, I wasn't a big reader. I, I struggled with dyslexia, which wasn't diagnosed at the time. Um, you know, and I, I stayed in a small community where, you know, it wasn't necessarily known. So for me, I once I, my grandmother really started getting me into reading... I got into, like, Catherine Cookson, who was, you know, a dame by the Queen at the time. Uh, she was a, an infamous uh, historical writer, which I ended up collecting all of hers. Um, and I kind of really expanded after that, and I sort of wanted to know more about the different genres from that point on. And I think that really... I think our parents and our, our grandparents are the influences that we need as writers to form the kind of genres yeah. that we want to go into and I also think it's what makes us decide well what do we want to read as as readers because I think that's part of it or do you not like agree do you think that you as a reader might not I think no I think it absolutely writing? does yeah I think it's sort of um although I, I do think it's you know worth noting that I think a lot of authors read outside the genre that they write in you know quite often I do get asked for kind of my like yeah. you know crime and crime sort of you know book recs and actually like I you know I, I sort of prime is only maybe a small fraction of yeah the, the books I read so you know I think I think it's sort of excellence across kind of any, right, every genre okay. really so what would you say is your favorite genre to read outside of oh it kind of I mean it depends a bit I mean I, I do like um 
I mean, I like people like, yeah, like Marion Keys and, you know, Leanne Moriarty. I recently discovered this great um, sci-fi writer called Blake Crouch, who, um, you know, who I've, I've, I wouldn't okay. say I was sort of really into sci-fi, but I've absolutely devoured his, um, his he wrote one called uh, Dark Matter and then one called Recursion. He's written a bunch more, um, but those two I've read and they've both been yeah. really, really good fun. So, um, yeah, so it's good to kind of try, you know, read a little bit outside the box sometimes as well, I think. I think with you mentioning that, have you tried Jay Kristoff's? The uh, I haven't. No, Illumini. I bought it for my husband because he's sci-fi mad, and he didn't like the note, like because it's it's very much like you get the story, but then there's notes at the bottom, and these are notes to kind of fill in some of the gaps, and I have had so many friends said, "Oh my god, this is a great book," yeah. and then him go, "No." <laughs> So maybe you want to try because yeah, he's he also is, he is, yeah. an Australian yeah. writer. Oh, well. Enough. So yeah, um, yeah, and he's brilliant because he's so nice to me on Instagram. Because <laughs> uh, <laughs> I have random conversations with authors, like as you do if you're on Instagram and you see something, you're like, oh, I'm just gonna yeah. ask them about that or whatever. But um, yeah, like I think you know, I like. I love the fact that we can share all these kind of great books and, and people that we wouldn't have thought about reading if we hadn't yeah. had these kind of conversations. So when you go into a bookstore, where's the first place Oh, I'm a bit go? of a sucker for the, um, the, yeah, the bookseller recommendations table, you know, that kind of table right at the front. So yeah, same, they, can, they, can, they can pretty much tell me anything yep. on that table. Um, <laughs> yeah, that, that's kind of where I go first. Do you, like, do you not find that you, you stand there and you're like, I would want to take them all, but I know that the, that's the, right. And should... also I think a little bit of like being, being honest with myself about what ones I actually would read. Like it might look really great on the table and, you know, I might sort of aspire to read it one day, but am I actually going to, you know, is it really for me or is it? <laughs> yeah. When you're going to get the time to do it. Yeah. Yeah. I know that feeling. Like I, I went on a spree last year before the podcast took off. And I'm like, oh, I'll get all these red, you know. And then I started getting arcs in. And sort of my poor TBR from myself is like so high, my husband's scared that the tower's going to fall over <laughs> onto the bed and kill us sometime. And and the little, I've got a tiny one for like the podcast. And he just laughs at me yeah. and he's like, please don't buy any more books. Please. I don't think the house can hide anymore. So, <laughs> but yeah, I have the same problem. So I'm going to ask a question um, that we use to try and sort of teach reviewers not how not to put um, sort of deprivational reviews out there for authors. So what we ask is, has there ever been a book that you wish you'd never picked up and why? And the reason that I asked this question and we do this on the, the podcast is to kind of lead as a, as an example of you know what you should do if you get a book you don't like rather than ripping it apart online this is this is what we as writers and as authors and as readers ourselves yeah I mean I guess I mean for me I I sort of feel life is too short to read books I'm not enjoying so I just yeah I just put it down um and you know I think you can you know it's okay to accept that yeah not every book is for you and um you know but there's other people who may enjoy it and I think um yeah that that's it really just you know it's it, there's no there's no sort of 
there's no rule to say you have to finish everything you start reading and um you know not every book is going to be for you but um yeah exactly i mean i've i've had books where i picked it up and i started reading and i get like i don't know three about halfway i i give it to right, okay that's more. better than my guy you know <laughs> so it I doesn't grab me by then yeah. you know I, it's never going to yeah you know and in and what i say to myself is okay can i actually sit and read the end of this or is it going to take I think me also, nine months to finish it and if it's going to take right. nine and months you I'm know, not going to do giving it. giving yourself permission to to stop reading something you don't enjoy i think opens you up to um reading more widely because if you if you're scared that you know if you try something you don't enjoy yeah. you're stuck with it um you know it really i think it really yeah. boxes you in a little bit but if you um if you actually you know i'm going to give it a go and if i don't like it it's not for me then you know I, 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 yeah i'll give it a couple of chapters or however long you feel um but it takes it removes that pressure and it just maybe allows you to you know try stuff that maybe is a little bit outside of your normal space and I always say, like, if you're not in the mood for that book, it's okay to stick it on yeah. your shelf and go back to it. You know, like, if you're not, if you're in a particularly, oh, I want a scary book, and you're reading a romance, put the romance on the shelf and go find a scary book, you know? Or, because I know we're all influenced by seasons. I know, like, at Christmas time, we all want to read a Christmas book, or we all want to, do you know what I mean? There's always that kind of, you know, we want to get into that feeling. So I always say to people, keep that in mind. So, you know, if you're wanting a summer read, read a summer book. You know, like, don't try and force yourself to read something when you're not feeling it in that moment. And don't be scared yeah. to put it on the shelf and go back to it. Because you could end up enjoying it really, yeah. really well at a different time. Yeah. Just not at that specific moment. Um, so moving into writing which I love to share um, because a lot of young inspired you know people are getting into writing and they're getting into the love of writing how did you go about creating your darker characters in your story like that darker grittier element did you have to set up the atmosphere like in the house with candles and lighting or was it just something that you just um, no I mean I, I, I think a lot of it is kind of organic you know within the story like I plan a lot so I know I know the ending of the books and I know kind of what the characters need to do and um, a lot of it is kind of um, yeah sort of just sort of I guess building up those layers and um, trying to get into the headspace of you know why why people do certain things and um, so no I don't, I don't have any kind of particularly special rituals or anything <laughs> I used to be like candles and music and really lock myself into, you know, that kind of moment. Now I don't have that luxury because <laughs> I'm usually writing in the car or whatever. So I'm usually like, turn the music up. Sorry, husband, you're ignored. And, and I, I do it that way. But I think I, it's it's sometimes really hard though to get into that mindset of how do I get this darkness to come through, especially if you're kind of not in that. Yeah, I mean, I guess that it. sort of, um, you know, that, that's sort of true of lots of scenes, isn't it? Sometimes you're kind of not, you're not maybe not feeling it, but uh, I mean, I, I sort of feel like you know if you can if you can go away from it and come back to it at a different time, um, but at some point you do have to tackle them. Um, and then it's, yeah, you just kind of have to, yeah, to power through and I find planning helps me a lot, sort of at least knowing what's going to happen and, 
um, at least gets yeah get the the bones of it down, and you can kind of um, go back to it and try and finesse it a little bit later. It's funny you say that because I do like the chapter breakdown. So like I have the chapter, and then I have like yeah, I write out the bullet points. It's the only way I can do it because I, I I'll forget half the story, half the synopsis, and I'll just go off in a tangent somewhere, and then I'll look at the synopsis and be like, "Oh, I need to come back this way." So yeah, I had to start doing that because I'm yeah. I'm terrible. <laughs> I do recommend to new writers if you're if you're kind of getting into it, um, don't try and do fly by the seat of your pants right away. It might work for you later on, but try and do some sort of planning so that you can actually write your first yeah. manuscript first. Because, it, it, you know, everyone thinks, oh, see, the pants is so fun, it's so easy to do. It's not as easy as people think. And I, I, I keep hearing from authors who will say, oh, I couldn't, I, I always struggled in the beginning and I couldn't figure it out. So that that's my big piece of advice for today is um, try planning first before just trying to write it, uh, uh, you know, in one setting. Um, because if you're doing a really big word count like me and Jane does, it, you can't write it all in one go. It's not possible. So, you know, take your time. Uh, sort of think it all the way through, plan it out, and, and you'll find it. Yeah, I agree. I mean, I think it's it, it, even if you just plan out the difficult bits, or you know, at some point you're gonna to have to wear them out. You may as well do it sooner yeah. rather than later. So, what inspired? Well, I mean, you you said your parents was a big inspiration for for your genre, but was there anything else that you would say pushed you to put your writing voice? Into um, the I think genre? really, um, it was just I was trying to write books that I think I would enjoy reading, and I do like a you know book with a bit of you know mystery, and uh-huh, um, it doesn't okay. necessarily have to be crime, but I mean, like I like you know sort of questions and answers and um, a few twists and turns, but I also like kind of characters you feel you can get behind, so. Um, yeah, so I always just try and think, you know, this is something that I personally would pick up. Yeah, and I think uh, when we love that and we have that kind of really deep love for something, then that's just a genre yeah. we find easier to write. And we can just get swept away with it and just <laughs> be like, oh, yay. <laughs> you know, because it's, it's, it's that easy comfort day, so... Well, we know what the genre expects of us, and and we know the rules, and we can we can play ball with it. When it comes to writing, do you have like a do you have rules? Like, do you ha- set yourself rules? Like, okay, this is this is what I need to follow, or this is what I want to follow, or do you think to yourself, right? Okay, I know the the rule what's expected of crime so these are going to be my, my um no i mean i try and look make it sort of work a little bit more organically um as much as i can and i think you know the um one of the beauties of you know writing your own book is you can you can shape it however you want so you can avoid things that maybe you know you don't enjoy in other books um so yeah i, I sort of try and yeah. um you know, I, I, I always try and like you know, make sure that the, the characters are kind of um you know, authentic to the to the setting and that they're people that you would wanna follow, especially the, the main characters when you would want to follow through. Um and 
you know, I, I want to make sure that the, the crime sort of and the mystery makes sense in the end. So I do a lot of planning around that. But no, I, I think it's sort of, it's kind of a bit of a case-by-case basis and you try and follow the story where it takes you, really. Yeah, I, I, because I write kind of, I went into a genre and I thought, right, okay, this genre doesn't exist. I'm going to just launch it myself because I have a love for sports romance. And at the time, sports romance wasn't, you know, a thing. Um, and of course, what happened? There's no rules for sports romance because it didn't exist. And I got myself so much hassle because I didn't have that those walls to kind of help direct me to where I'm going and here I am writing a wrestling romance story yeah kind of without rules and it yeah it did it put so last question for the writing section what character have stuck with you the most and is there a character you wish you could write more about? I think, um, I mean, yeah, the Aaron Fork has, you know, really sort of stuck with me. I mean, he's been with me for three books, so he's kind of a big, he is like a big one. Um, I really enjoyed writing, um, there's a guy called Nathan Bright, who is a character, he's the main character in my um, third book, The Lost Man, and that was a really fun one because he was so, he was a sort of out that guy. He was really different from anybody else I've kind of written about. Um, I'd kind of, um, I'd almost love to kind of revisit him, but that book was such a standalone. There's no, there's no real opportunity for that, unfortunately. But yeah, they, they, those are two that have really sort of stayed with me, I think. Is there a series that you're dying to write or is there a standalone that we can really look forward to? I haven't really got anything in mind right now. I'm sort of not really one of these authors who has like loads of ideas, you know, kind of a whole barrel of ideas. It's just more... Um, yeah, like one book at a time, one idea at a time. So I'm not even really sure what the next book will be. It's kind of it's still like this really entering that kind of thinking stage. So quick question for life. Um, I myself have long-term health illness that makes me slow down and appreciate the day. What would you say is the thing that makes you just appreciate everything that you have? Um, I think my children keep me very grounded. You know, I, I sort of, sometimes you sort of get a bit overwhelmed by you know book stuff and you know that kind of work stuff that's related to that and it can it can sort of feel bigger than it is and then I, you know I sort of think really you know like I look at my 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 kids who are so six and three and and I just think that you know the book stuff is 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 really just kind of an extra thing in my life like they are you know they are, they are really important to me obviously and and I think as long as they're you know happy and and well and stuff that it yeah. kind of it does help me keep things in perspective a bit more. I, th- I think it all does, like particularly because we're trying for a family. I think that's going to be the ground grounding for me yeah. as well. Because you know, I'm scared about doing the whole writer and mom thing, but <laughs> <laughs> I think it will be a great grounding sort of thing for me. So moving on into the word game, uh, where I imagine how I would meet you. So this kind of, the words kind of tie in with the uh, kind of writer's retreat where we've all kind of gotten lost in a in an old abandoned house. So I'm going to run through the words. First book comes to your mind. Um, okay, you ready? ready? Wind rattling windows. So um, the first book comes to mind. Um, Wuthering Heights. Yeah, that's a good one. Tape snapping in the wind. Um, 
Oh, it's gonna be it's gonna be like a Val McDermott one, I think. Um, oh, yeah. mer- uh, mermaid singing, something like that. Oh, okay, rushing water. Um, oh, good, great, good one. <laughs> oh, blank! I, I'm gonna have to pass, hard. I think I can't think of anything for that one. I will. I'll give you into the dark by Fiona Okay, Collins. great. Good to know. <laughs> Bells tooling. Um, oh God, I'm, you know, it's not even a book. I feel like Midsummer Murders. <laughs> it's not even, like it's not even a church. Yeah, <laughs> well, they they were a book series. Oh, well, there you so go. <laughs> they counts. Heart racing. Oh, Lee Childs. Uh, the the all, all the Jack Reacher ones. Yeah, I would agree with that one. Shivers. Um, Stephen King. Yes, I would. <laughs> I'd say That's all it, of yeah. his just covers that, right? Uh, Cold. Um, oh, um, Joe Nesbo. Okay. Pins and needles. Pass. <laughs> That's a tough one. I'll I'll give you that one. It's a tough one. I think of The Round Tower by Casper Oh, very good. Yeah, yeah. So you yeah, survived right. the Book and Life podcast. <laughs> Um, so we, it has honestly been a pleasure having you. I really hope you want to come back and next time we will just talk the entirety of your book for an hour. Um, because now the readers know you, the listeners know you and, uh, they'll be able to go, ah, I know that author and they'll want to, they'll want to listen to it. So it has been an absolute pleasure. Guys, you're going to want to come back next week because we have another cracking author in store for you. I swear it gets better every week. And uh, yeah, see you all again next week. Jane, it's been oh, a pleasure. Oh, thank to you have so you. much. <laughs>